that's, that's not what I was waiting for, <laughs> for, for the record. Uh, good morning. Uh, great, to, great to have you. We have a, um, a different kind of Sunday uh, today. Uh, so rather than get up here and sweat and yell at you for 40-ish minutes, um, we're going to do something slightly different. I'm going to do that for probably 25. Um, and then I'm going to have some friends uh, join me up here uh, to uh, today's a little bit of like mini sermon slash a little bit of vision, kind of show you what we've been up to uh, over the last especially six months since I arrived. Um, and then we're going to just hear some feedback about some of the things that we've been doing um, as a church, uh, specifically around uh, discipleship. So that's what's, that's what's going on. That's where we're going. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new teaching series uh, looking at faith and doubt. So I encourage you to, to come on out uh, next week as we jump into that. So if you are new here, this morning's going to be a little different. You're going to see a little bit of a look under the hood of some of the things that we've been doing and specifically what we want uh, from the future as we move forward um, as a church. So I want to start with a question. When you think about the Christian life and you think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus or the key word being disciple, how would you define a disciple? How would you define what it means to be a Christian? Because it's answering this question that actually sets the path for what we want to do in discipleship. So we have to know what, what, what are we looking for as disciples of Jesus, as, as followers of Jesus, before we understand how do we get there, right? Are you with me on that so far? So it's very important because we need to define what a disciple is so that that determines our understanding of what discipleship is. So an example, if a Christian or a follower of Jesus is someone who attends church events, maybe got baptized, votes conservative, and has their, their daily devos as often as they can, then we're going to design the architecture, the architecture of the church around that idea, right? But if our definition of a disciple is, is different than that, if our understanding of a disciple is somebody who is learning to follow Jesus and growing in Christ-likeness in their whole life, personally, emotionally, spiritually, in the context of a learning community, then our understanding of how we get there changes drastically. So the question that we've been wrestling with as a church for the last several years, and especially the last six months, is how do we design the architecture of Springville for whole life discipleship to Jesus? Right? Not just kind of like, well, we become really, really smart, like we pack a lot of theology in here, but it never really gets anywhere. And not just, well, we're really busy doing lots of things, but we don't actually know why we're doing those things, but connecting both kind of what we know, what we're learning, and also the way we're living as we follow Jesus. So how do we design the architecture of Springvale for that? So a little thought experiment for you. When you think about your life right now at the life stage that you're in, who do you want to be in five years? Who do you want to be in 20 years? Who do you want to be when you're 85? Some of you are 85. How do you want people to feel around you? What, what do you want people to come away with as they spend time with you? Because the type of person that you want to become actually casts a shadow back for how you're going to become that type of person. In other words, you have to start with the end in mind. What's the, the product? What's the true end? And then what's the means to get there? 
our process of discipleship is very similar. We want to figure out what the end in mind is of what kind of disciples do we actually want to shape here at Springville. There's all sorts of different understandings of what the church is supposed to be about and what the church should be doing or not doing, especially as we interact with our culture and some of the questions that are are floating around in our cultural air right now. So if you're new here or you're new to this conversation, Springville has been on a journey to create spaces where we really get intentional about forming whole life disciples of Jesus. That we're learning, of course, going deeper in our understanding of the Christian faith, but also we become practitioners of that faith and learn how to actually apply it to our everyday life. You with me? Some of you? Two of you? Good, good, good. All right. So here's what we're going to do for a few minutes. I want to just talk, just touch very, very briefly the what of discipleship, the why of discipleship, and the where of discipleship. We're going to touch this, and then we're going to have a conversation with some friends. All right? So the what of discipleship. What is a disciple? Well, when Jesus uses the word disciple, he uses the word that actually means student, but also it really means apprentice, right? It's, it's a learner. One of my favorite definitions of discipleship comes from, or what a disciple is, comes from Dallas Willard. Um, do we have, we have it. Yes. Miracles. Amen. This wasn't going to work, and now it's working. Praise God. All right. Dallas Willard said a disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice, a practitioner. Disciples of Jesus are people who do not just profess certain views as their own, but apply their growing understanding of life in the kingdom to every aspect of their life on earth. I like that definition because it gets to the practice. It's not just that we would kind of grow in theological knowledge, have a whole bunch of really, really good and even right beliefs in our head, but that that not lead to whole life change. Amen? That this gets at the reality that following after Jesus is not just things that we adopt into our brain, but it's a way that we go. And everybody today goes away in life. You're going somewhere. And Jesus' invitation to disciples is, don't go that way or your way. Come with me on, on my way. That's discipleship. As practitioners, as apprentices, as we're learning. So, don't just think kind of, university lecture classroom, but think more trade school, right? Not 30 hours a week of just slamming textbooks and then writing exams. Anybody who's been there, not fun at all, right? But instead, think about knowledge and skills that are acquired to actually go into the workforce. That's what discipleship does. Not simply being informed by what Jesus says, but also imitating what he does and how he lives. Because, if we're honest, I know lots of people who know lots, but live very little of what Jesus calls his disciples to live. And so we want to strike a balance, not perfectly, but we want to be able to try to strike a balance of what we're kind of getting as knowledge, but what we're actually doing as a practicing community of disciples. Mason King, in a book called Spiritual Disciplines, wrote this about discipleship. Discipleship to Jesus is the continual surrender of all of life to God's good design for identity, belonging, and purpose. I like that. That gets at the core of who we are as a woman, as a man. The core of our very identity is actually shaped by and built on our following after Jesus. 
And any of us who are followers of Jesus, we know that the gospel is good news because it changes who our life belongs to. Amen? The gospel isn't just kind of helpful inf information about salvation that might come, but the gospel is actually the reality that salvation has come, and now my entire life belongs to the God who has saved me. That that's the starting point of discipleship. One of my favorite verses is John 14, 6, where Jesus says, famously, a lot of us know this, he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what's interesting about that is we tend to focus on the truth part. It's like, okay, let's get the truth, let's get right, let's get it all up in here. But notice, he says that I'm also the way and the life. So the truth about Jesus and modeling our life after the way of Jesus is what actually allows us to experience the life that Jesus intends. Right? So you see the balance of the what of discipleship. Now the why of discipleship. Why are we talking about this? Why are we taking an entire Sunday for me to get up here and talk about this to us as a church family? Well, that's because it was very, very important to Jesus. And in fact, the very last thing Jesus says to his disciples in the Great Commission is what? Go into all the world and learn tons of Bible verses. <laughs> no. He says, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples, baptizing them, immersing them in the, the, the identity-shaping change as we are adopted by the Father through the Son by the work of the Spirit, right? And then learning to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. So of course we need to learn theology, but the Great Commission comes at us and says, discipleship isn't just a program kind of over here that the church offers, and it's kind of like a thing that the church talks about. But discipleship is the entire reason the church exists. The heart behind this is that the place where disciples are made is not TikTok or YouTube or in seminary because it's like only like the people who are really serious go to be professional Christians and learn at seminary. But the place for discipleship is where? The local church. So we want to not just kind of outsource theological training and, and, and tools for living after Jesus to seminaries or people who get really, really serious about it, but that we want to take that top shelf experience of yes, knowledge, but also practice and bring it into the local church. Yeah, that's the heart because that was Jesus's great commission to us. Christ-likeness in all areas of our life is the reason the church exists. And Jesus forms his church to form his church, right? And that's what discipleship does. So that means that for us, the gathering of the church, uh, the worship of, of, of this church, the mission, the evangelism that we do, the teaching and the witness of this church, the pursuit of, of local neighborhood, community engagement, and, and justice throughout our communities, all of that comes back to the heart of discipleship. Because we want to make more disciples, but then also mature as disciples. Amen? Now, here's where we have challenges on this. Some of you are like, yeah, this sounds great. Here's our two major challenges. This could be a list of like 11, okay? So this is God's grace upon you that I deleted nine. All right. <clears throat> There's two main challenges to the why of discipleship. And we need a bit of course correction here. The first is biblical literacy. One of the biggest weaknesses in the Western church 
is biblical literacy. Notice I didn't say biblical knowledge. We know lots about the Bible and from the Bible. But literacy and actually being able to habituate and kind of um, just absorb something is different than just knowing something. And it's not because we don't value the Bible. We do. The church does. It's not that we don't believe it's important. We, we do. But for most of us, if we're just honest, we don't know how to read the Bible. We don't know how to wrestle with this amazing complex library that is the Bible and then the next step of actually applying it to everyday life. A lot of us know kind of what is in the Bible, but have yet to even have a space where we can grow in how do I read and use the Bible. That's what biblical literacy does. Biblical literacy moves us from content to competence. Are you with me on that? That's, that's this. Here's a quote addressing this problem by J.T. English in his book, Deep Discipleship. He says, study after study suggests that the church has never been less familiar with our sacred text than we are today, even while we have never enjoyed more access to it. We have an abundance of biblical resources and yet a famine of biblical knowledge. I think he's right. And that's why it kind of presses on us to become more intentional about how we are learning the Bible and then specifically how we're applying the key rhythms and disciplines of the Christian faith. So most of us, if we're followers of Jesus, we know what the Bible says. But if we're honest, we struggle how to connect it to everyday life. And even more than that, we struggle to connect it to some of the current cultural conversations that are happening today. So the answer isn't more, but deeper, right? You can know something and not understand it. And so we want to move into a greater understanding of the story that the Bible tells and invites us into. The second challenge is our individualism and our neglect of community in our learning. Now, if we're just honest readers of Scripture, you cannot unsee it that the very heart of the Christian life is community. That you are changed by who your life belongs to and then you're changed because then you go and share your life with others. It is absolutely central to what we see in the life of the church and in the life of the covenant community all throughout scripture. One example is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Some of you know these verses, but here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to look at the verbs. Anybody remember grade 5? Grammar class, right? Verbs are action words. Watch what they're doing, but also, also pay attention to where the church is doing it, all right? Ready? Watch. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That means in the, in the neighborhood, in the community. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Did you see some of the verbs there? Committed teaching, learning, praying, eating, meeting, hosting, sharing, 
giving and engaging the community. That is what community looks like. That's what disciples do together in community. And notice the plural. It's they, 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 they. And then the Lord adds to their number. So that individualism, the creep of that in our Western culture is very, very real. And if we don't understand that the church is a learning, practicing community full of diverse experiences, that we're going to be in community with people of completely different education levels, of socioeconomic brackets, of, of life, life experiences, of where they're coming from, and even their own maturity in the faith. Some of you aren't even followers of Jesus yet, but you're just checking them out. Others of you, you've been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. But here we are, right? In a learning, practicing community as the church. So the course correction here is that we need to prioritize learning the Bible and practicing Christian living in community. Because here's the problem. In the West, your private kind of quiet times have replaced community time in a lot of ways. Right? So you just kind of have your private devos, do your spiritual practices to come more, become more Jesus-y. Right? And then you hope that it's just going to like flood out into your life. But notice right here in Acts 2, it wasn't. So the church was growing and then they devoted themselves to quiet times and attending church on Sunday. Right? Did you see the whole life transformation as they lived together in community? As they practiced spiritual disciplines in community? When's the last time you practiced fasting with one another, right? So many of us have never practiced fasting by ourselves, period, right? So looking at this, you see how important it is that the community itself is the heartbeat of discipleship in the local church. The reason why it's so important is because dis disconnected from community, you only have you. Disconnected from community, you don't have an exposure to a diversity of thought, diversity of experiences or perspectives. So what you do is you only have your individual personal understanding of something and then you get stuck in an echo chamber because you're not actually exposed to the views and perspectives of other people. Community kind of pulls the blinders off of us and enables growth. It doesn't take away from it. It forces us to diversify some of our conversation partners in life. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Your personal study matters. Your following Jesus individually matters. Those private disciplines matter, but not more than life lived in community as disciples of Jesus. All right, so now the where, and then we're going to pivot a little bit. The where of discipleship. All of this sounds very heavy and fun, and you're glad that it's me sitting in my office thinking about all this and not you. But what we have to think about is where do we make disciples? It's forced us to think very strategically and intentionally about some of our learning spaces. What is the aim of everything we're doing when we have you, right? What is the point of Sunday? What is the point of life group? What is the point of youth or young adults? What is the point of joy, right, for our seniors? Like, what is the point of all that? What do we want out of those spaces? That's getting at the question of what are these spaces for? Where do we make disciples? I think this happens, and we're making disciples. But I think historically, we've actually expected too much from Sundays. If you read Acts 2 right there, most of the things that the church was up to cannot happen in 75 minutes on a Sunday. Amen? Like, you look at that, you're like, wow, that's a, they're, they're out there, right? 
They're, they're doing stuff. They're busy. They're together, like, in, just getting busy, getting after it together, right? So most of the things that the church is actually supposed to be doing can't happen right here. But Sundays are important, of course. So what this, this has done for us is it's forced us to think more strategically about where we have you and what do we want to do with you when we actually have you there. So it's forced us to think about theological discipleship, meaning what do we want to learn? I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. Like what do we actually want to be learning, getting your mind wrapped around as followers of Jesus or people who are spiritually just curious? And it's also got us to think about relational discipleship. Who do we want you doing that with? And figuring out those spaces. So, this brings us to the vision of Springvale Institute. Who remembers us talking about the Institute? Yeah. Very, yeah, somebody's excited about it. This is great. Right. So if you remember, this is something that I've been, this is kind of what I own and I've been just messing with. But Springvale's been on this journey for many years of figuring out how do we approach discipleship. And so I've come along and I've been able to just take what already was developed and try to figure out what are we going to do within Springville Institute. So here's a bit of a vision statement for what the Institute offers us as the church. Springville Institute exists to provide active learning for deeper discipleship through three key things. Biblical education, theological depth, and spiritual formation. That is why Springville Institute exists. Now, do not let the word institute scare you. We wrestled with what we would call it, and institute is what we ended up with. But do not let the word institute scare you. This is not a space where we just become theological eggheads, right, and walk around barely able to keep our head on our shoulders, right? But that the institute exists for us to actually take all that we've just talked about in the last few minutes and try to create spaces that intentionally invite you into whole life formation as followers of Jesus. A couple key words in the vision statement, if you could put it back up, that'd be great. A couple key words is, is active learning. This is passive learning. You're sitting, I'm saying stuff, and you're remembering 5% of it, right? This is passive learning. Springville Institute is looking to use active learning, meaning there is a lot of interaction. We're actually getting tools in our hands of how do we get into scripture and apply it? How do we walk together as followers of Jesus? How do we actually practice the Christian life together? So it's active. It's not just passive receiving, but it's active engagement and participation. And then the three categories that we're looking at is biblical education. We need to know the story of the Bible. We need to know the redemptive story of the Bible. Theological depth. We also need to know why that matters. How do we apply the story of the Bible to our lives? And then spiritual formation. How do we practice and habituate our lives in that direction? Springville Institute exists because everyone is a theologian. Everyone is a theologian. Some of you don't even follow Jesus and you are a theologian because what you believe about God or the lack thereof changes everything else about your life. Your morality, your values, the stories you believe, your identity, your purpose. So all of us are theologians. We all have beliefs about God or, or not and that shapes our whole life. So the Institute exists for that, that reason. That we are all theologians to be learning together, but also living out the Christian life together. So, where does that leave us? I'll show you the big picture of some of these spaces, some of the where of discipleship. First is the forums. 
Forums are something that we'll be using. We, we hope to start our first forum this fall. Forums are a space where we can just get together and do justice to key issues that we can't quite do up here. Some of them will be more in-house conversations of stuff that like non-Christians will be like, why are you guys even talking about this, right? But are really fired up, that, but we're really fired up about. But it's going to give us a space where we can have conversations. Conversations about key cultural touch points and things that are happening in our culture, but also key conversations about theology or the life of the church that we can't necessarily do justice to here. So forums are going to be a space that we're going to be using for exactly that, to really create dialogue and conversations around important things. Secondly, we have our Bible studies. Who, show of hands, have participated in one of our Bible studies in the last year and a half? Yeah, look at that. So we've had our Bible studies running. We had Ruth, we had Ephesians, we had Nehemiah, and we have one starting in the fall that I can't talk to you about, but trust me, it's very exciting. Because we want to tease you a little bit and then like wow you with it, all right? So our Bible studies are exactly that, that we get into a space where theologically we can engage the Bible, but do it in community, right? Everyone knows what a Bible study usually means, and that's exactly what it means. That Bible studies are a theological discipleship space where we can really dig into Scripture, but also interact with it in a way that is going to teach us how to approach it and read it, not just what it says. And then, third, our core classes. Our core classes, which we just piloted and finished our core class. Show of hands, who jumped into our first core class? Yeah, some, some aren't here. So we capped it at 40, and then there was a waiting list, because you guys were all eager and very excited, right? But our core classes exist to tap into the vision of the Institute, where we have three main things that we are looking at with our core classes. And those core classes are going to run every year, right? And they're the same classes, so you take it once and you're done. And the three core classes are, next slide, Christian story, Christian beliefs, and Christian habits. The three core things that Christians need as disciples of Jesus. Christian story is looking at the overarching redemptive story of the Bible. What's the story from Genesis to Revelation and how are we invited into that? Christian beliefs is looking obviously at what is core to the Christian faith. What kind of makes a Christian a Christian? And then third, Christian habits. That's how do we develop a rule of life and actually practice the way of Jesus. So we piloted our first class this winter uh, on Christian story. And this coming fall, we'll be launching our uh, core class on Christian habits. So keep your eye open for that. You're going to hear a little bit more uh, from my friends up here in a minute about their experience of that. And then finally, back to the uh, kind of big picture of the Institute, uh, we have our cohort. And that's just taking these three main uh, Christian story, beliefs, and habits. And that's going a little bit deeper. That'll be kind of a one-year, more intensive look at those things for um, just, just a deeper study on those exact same three components. Okay, good. So that is the where of Springville Institute of what we've been up to. And if you have any questions, I'd love to talk to you more about that. I know that it's a lot of information. And these screens weren't going to even be working, so it would have just been me up here yelling. But there it is. So if you have any other questions, please come talk to me. But I'm done, and what I want to do is I want to invite my friends up, and uh, we're going to have a conversation about some of the ways that they have been engaging in these spaces. So if we could welcome them. Scooch down to the end. Yeah, come to the end. Okay. I'm not going to sit. I'm going to stand and sweat. 
All right, welcome, friends. Thank you for being willing to, uh, to jump up. Um, we've talked a little bit. We have uh, different kind of, obviously, demographics and age groups and experiences, but we also have quite a diversity of engagement in some of these spaces already. So I didn't want you to just have me be a talking head up here of like, hey, this is pretty cool. Obviously, I think it is. That's why I'm here, right? But I wanted you to hear a little bit from uh, some of our actual church family who have gone through some of these spaces already. So I want to start with uh, Jen and Glenn, especially Glenn, because he's so excited to be up here right now. Uh, <laughs> um, as, a, uh, as a couple, you guys decided to jump into the first ever core class, which I think is brave because you have no idea who I am at that point, um, and you have no idea what it's going to be like. So walk us through a little bit of why you decided to jump into that core class, and then maybe just share one key takeaway of your experience after coming through the first ever core class of Springville Institute. I guess for me, I was very curious what this institute was, so I wanted to check that out. And uh, I love Dustin's uh, teaching, so I wanted to check that out too. And um, wanted to um, not only have a deeper knowledge of the Bible and how it relates um, in my life, but to put it into practice too. And um, thought it would be a great idea to do it as a couple together. So, yeah. Awesome. Jen? Um, yeah, I just kind of felt like I was in a season where I'm just really hungry for the word. And it, personally, it's been a while since I've been in a Bible study. Um, so this was a great timing opportunity. Again, something that we could go and do together um, on a Monday night. And uh, really, really enjoyed diving in deeper. Like, I love like definitions and words and just kind of cultural context that sometimes we skim over when you're just reading over a verse, but to actually go through, study it, talk about it at the table, hear your teaching about it was just so much different than, than just reading a devotional in the morning. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, as far as small group discussion, um, so one of the key components of an active learning environment that we've been practicing is that you're not just getting three hours of content thrown at you. But that before you even get teaching in these spaces, you're also sitting at a table where you're engaging in small group discussion to share kind of what you've already wrestled with, right? Uh, what would you say, especially as a couple, being at different small group tables, how has that kind of been helpful for you to have conversations later about the different things that you're hearing in your small groups? So yeah, like the drive home was like, oh, our table really like, you know, camped on this. And oh, really? Like we had this whole different kind of angle and discussion. So that was actually really insightful too, to hear what was going on at the other tables. Um, so yeah, we enjoyed that. I guess also to the interactions of uh, different people's point of views, because you always have your point of view, but you don't know other people's point of view. And it was really neat to hear different points of views and um, just to like learn where other people were coming from so not only your own opinion but other people's opinions so and some of the opinions were really interesting and made you think like oh I didn't see it that way so it was a new viewpoint to look at. Very important question Glenn. Why did you shed your beard during the core class? <laughs> You don't, you don't have to answer that. Well, I had it for three and a half years and uh, was a bucket list thing and I had to uh, keep pace with Steve Hoover, give him some competition, so, but uh, yeah. Awesome. 
All right, I want to shift uh, to Rob. Um, Rob, you triple dip in all of these learning spaces. Um, so life groups, uh, you've been a part of a Bible study um, already, as well as the core class. So I'd love for you to speak into um, your experience of, of any or all of those, but specifically for you in your own kind of spiritual growth, how those interact with each other. Yeah, it's a good question. I love all three of them. Um, I really love our life group. And uh, to be honest, so what we, when the, the Ephesians study started in September of last year, September 22, and uh, my wife and I, Stephanie and I jumped in as well as the rest of our life group. I think most of them joined in as well. So it was cool that we could be with life group in the Ephesians study. However, it wasn't the same as life group because anybody who's been in a life group recognizes that you spend time really getting into each other's lives and understanding the challenges of parenting and dealing with, you know, at our stage, aging parents and our own junk and you get in on everybody's life. It's great to be with your life group in the uh, study, in our our case, the Ephesians study, but you don't get time to do that piece of it. So you can't do both, and we agreed as a group unanimously that just our schedules didn't allow us to do both. Um, so we loved the class. We all, I would say, got a ton out of it, but we missed being together as a group. We recently got together for the first time in a long time just to have lunch together as a life group, and it was fantastic. And we agreed again unanimously um, uh, that we would get together to take advantage of this time that the core group and the recent... Um, I can't remember, we're not Ephesians, whatever the study was that just ended, I wasn't in it. Thank you. The, the Nehemiah, thank you. Is, they, they've just ended simultaneously, so we're going to take advantage of this time between now and end of the church season to jam in a nine or ten week course and get together back as a group. So um, they complement each other. We find it's a bit, str- uh, a bit of a struggle to do both simultaneously, but to take advantage of everything when it comes. That's good. And that's exactly it. I think the, the key word there is seasonal. There's seasonal things that for us, um, it's like, well, I actually want to, like, I'm in a season where I really want to learn. I know I'm hungry. I want to go a little bit deeper. Uh, others of us are like, I'm in a season where I really need that relational um, communal connection. Um, and that's where, again, life groups really come in. So just so you know, if you're feeling the rub right now of like, oh, how do I do all of this? You can't. And that's okay. So we're going to free you of the burden of like, how do I do all of the things at once? Right? You don't, you don't need to. That's not the expectation. Life groups and then our learning spaces within the institute are seen as complementary, not, not competing. And so that's, that's a really important thing to, to know as we all kind of discern, like, what should I be doing in this season um, and what do I need right now, right? Um, Alana, uh, as someone, especially as a young person who has lots going on, very, very important things, um, you and your contribution in a life group, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more of your decision to be in a life group and then a little bit of your experience of the value of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, to give you all a backstory, so um, I became a Christian in 2019 when I was uh, at the University of Guelph. Uh, I've grown up in Markham my whole life, so graduating and coming back home, uh, I didn't have that Christian community here. I felt very isolated, so I was really looking forward to find a church where I can make good Christian friends, um, people that I could walk through life together. And I came to Springville, and I think uh, I was invited through a family friend. And the first day, I was connected to uh, the leader of the light group, uh, Amy Barker. And so my first day being here, it was an answer to prayer, God being like, you're supposed to be here. Um, So yeah, I've been here 
uh, doing a life group for I think just under two years now, and um, yeah, <laughs> and just the benefit of um, like why I'm continuing to pursue is very relational. Um, just the friendships and the closeness that I've been able to develop. Uh, girls who are in the stage of life where we're young, we don't know what God has in store, there's a lot of patience uh, and trust that's needed. So uh, to have a group of girls that um, are going through the same uncertainty, it's really um, uh, foundational to have them backing up scripture and backing up um, truths that, um, yeah, that God's got it. Yeah, awesome. Um, this is your, this is, I'm going to give this to you. This is your time to pitch to everyone why they should consider, if they are not yet in a life group, to be part of a life group. No pressure. Yeah. We have a pretty cool snack schedule. So, like, yes. <laughs> so, yes. like, a lot of chips and cookies for us. <laughs> so, if you're a hungry person, join. Um, <laughs> I think it's a really good time uh, to be in the word with girls or just people um, and get different perspectives that you wouldn't have on your own. And I think just relational friendships. Um, you just outside of church, there's not enough time. Um, so finding people that you can spend times doing fun things with. Um, yeah, just the friendship is really key. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Well, we're so glad you're here, Elena. Thanks yeah. for having me. Um, last question, because we... We could do this forever. This, but last question, Glenn. You knew this was, you knew this was happening. Um, we talked a lot throughout the core class of just, you know, coming in feeling intimidated, coming in feeling like I'm not, didn't love school, not particularly academically inclined. Uh, and then we talked a lot after, uh, as we finished the core class, about your experience of that. So to anybody who's feeling like, oh, institute sounds very, you know, institute-y, um, <laughs> What, what would you say to people, again, who may be like, oh, I don't know, like I'm not, not a huge reader, not a big academic uh, guy or gal. Uh, what would your encouragement be to them about your experience uh, coming through the core class? I would just say it's a very like, laid-back situation, but you can learn a lot. Like Just the way it's set up, like from um, you have your... Uh, core group at your table of about eight people and so you learn from them and then hear Dustin's teaching and then you have your own um, learning when you get home uh, reading the book and doing the questions and that so it's a little uh, mix of everything so it's not like regimented and you're not going to be like tested or an exam so and uh, like Dustin said afterwards um, if you have questions too, it was um, so nice for Dustin to accommodate those questions, even though I know he probably wanted to get home, but we <laughs> just talked about all kinds of questions uh, during the class and other questions um, I had too. So it's, yeah, it's a nice mix of everything. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Glenn. All right, let me, uh, let me pray. I'm going to pray for these four and us. Um, and then we will uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that we, uh, again, just have times like this to pause and just lift up the hood and see what's going on here at Springville. Lord, I just pray that it would be encouraging to, to each of us, regardless of where we are, um, kind of in, in life stage or season, uh, but also just in our journey uh, with you, that, that we would have heard something today uh, that would encourage us to continue to uh, be engaged and, and lean into what you're doing in our lives. And I thank you for 
these friends, uh, that they are engaging, that they are uh, seeing value and life as they're walking this out in community and that you would continue to have that be our story uh, at Springville as we're growing as disciples and, and that we would make more disciples that ultimately look to you and live for you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.